This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by a 20-game winner, A 15-time Emmy Award winner. I want to talk to him about that. And one of the most beloved San Francisco Giants of all time, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Kruko. Kruk, thanks for coming on the program. Booney, about time you asked me, I was starting to feel a little bad, a little left out. You know what's funny? Okay, I'll I'll get off this in two seconds. We're talking about Emmys. You got 15 of them. In 2003, I was still playing. And I was in the booth for the postseason uh, when Fox was trying that third man in the booth. I didn't want to do it. You could probably tell if you rewatch my my segments. But that particular that was the year when uh, it was the Yankees and the Red Sox. My little brother hit the home run and we won an Emmy. Our broadcast won an Emmy. So I'm sitting there as a baseball player going, where's my Emmy? They said, well, no, Fox gets the Emmy, but if you want an individual Emmy, you have to order it and they'll send it to you and you pay for it. I never ended up doing that, but I did have shirts made up uh, in the locker room saying Emmy Award winner. So tell me what a real Emmy Award winner is. You got 15 of them. Pretty cool. You know, it, it is. It's uh, it's recognition and uh, uh, it's recognition for our crew. And we have, uh, it's really kind of a unique situation here in San Francisco. All of our camera people, all of our truck people, our producer, our director, and of course, my partner, we're all about the same age. We've been doing it forever. And, uh, you know, an Emmy is just a product of, uh, of teamwork, which, you know, when I left baseball, I didn't know if I'd ever find teamwork again, you know, and, uh, and I did. I found it in, uh, in the television business, and it's really been fun. So when you say I won 15, we won 15, and I'm pretty proud of our team. That's that's very cool. You got you and you and Kipe been together forever. I mean, you've been there for. I don't know if there's a, a more uh, tenured crew uh, than you two with an organization. Um, 
Very cool. And by the way, on Sunday, uh, sad day, you know, Roger Craig, uh, you know, one of the greats, I know you played for him. I know you, he was a part of your life. So my condolences on, on Roger Craig on Sunday. I know that was a kind of a sad day for, for, for giants nation, actually. You know, it really was. I mean, you, you think back when Roger got here in 1985, he, he took over in September for uh, Jim Davenport and it would be this, the, the season where the Giants lost 100 games. In 141 years of Giants baseball, they've only lost 100 one time, and that was that year. And Roger Craig was there for the last 30 days, and at the end of the season, he's, he, he said to everybody, and it's, um, it, it, we really should talk about this, because when I was with the Cubs and the Phillies coming in to play the Giants, and, and you know, coming in to play in Candlestick, everybody would bitch and moan like two weeks out. And the hitters were just miserable. And nobody, I mean, Keith Marley used to say a great series in San Francisco was two loud fouls and a hit batsman. And a lot of a lot of people felt that way. Then when I got traded to the Giants in, in 82, uh, I found out that the Giants players bitched more than anybody. And in 1985, when Roger took over, he was with us a month, and he observed the same thing at the end of the season. He says, okay, boys, you don't realize it, but you have the greatest home field advantage in the history of sport. And the negativity is gone. If any of you want out of here, you let me know. You let Al Rosen know, and we will abide you. And uh, But I won't want to hear any bitching and moaning ever again. This is our house, and we're going to start looking at it in a positive way. So we thought about it over the offseason. We came back the next year. 13 guys were gone off that team. And we had a bunch of young players, uh, Will Clark and Robbie Thompson and uh, Jose Uribe, uh, Chris Brown. We, we just had a lot of youth. And uh, – and that was the motto. And that was the thing. You got to like these kids. And, and Roger, by the time we got to camp, and I'm thinking, they didn't do anything really to bring in a, a better team. And the time we left to go to camp or to start the season, we were going to open up in Houston against uh, the Astros, who were very good, and then the Dodgers. This is our road trip. We could have gone 1-5, and 0-6. Oh we win both series. And we believed in ourselves. And it was because of, of the confidence that was instilled in our hearts, in our minds, by Roger Craig. He did more for me in baseball than just about anybody I've ever come across. And I, and I, I love him. And I, and I was terribly distraught when uh, I got the word that he had passed on Sunday because he meant the world to us and to the Giants nation. He brought pride back to San Francisco. Yeah, very cool. And, and you're so right about Candlestick. You're so right about the two weeks out, the bitching starts. It's probably like a, it's probably like a starting rotation we're going to Colorado in two weeks, especially back same before thing. the humidor. They probably <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Uh, oh, totally. Um, all right, I know it's old hat. I know it's old hat. I know it was so two months ago, but I had to ask you about it because from being a pitcher in the booth every day, seeing it up front, the new rules. What you think the long term effects going to be of these new rules? I'll I'll tell you when I heard the rules this this past offseason that we we're going to have a pitch clock. I rolled my eyes. I said, "Come on, what are we doing?" You know, we kind of pride ourselves as baseball players as not having a clock. Uh, I was, you know, I but I had an open mind. I said, "I'll wait to see what happens." So far, the feedback's been pretty good. I mean, that swifter games. Uh, and I look at it from the standpoint, as a hitter, I don't think I'd have a problem. I wasn't a guy that, that stayed in the box, but I wasn't a guy that walked around either. So I think after spring training, getting used to it, it was fine. From a pitcher's perspective, 
little different because I, I know myself as a second baseman, I knew when, when my pitcher was struggling, he needed a moment. I could just run in, call time at any time. We could talk about the weather, wine, or, or where we're going to dinner that night because I knew, Mike, you needed a blow on the mound. You can't do that anymore. But as we get into the season, I'm seeing this. The, the hitter has to engage the pitcher at the eight-second mark. But now the pitcher holds the cards. And that cat-and-mouse game that we used to play, if you'd hold the ball on me in the old rules, I had the luxury of stepping out calling time. Now we go back. We can do this dance as long as you want. Now it seems like you, the pitcher, hold that dance card, and you can just hold the ball and mess with me. I don't know. what it, what is That's my overall view of what I'm seeing. What are you seeing? Because uh, you're seeing it on a daily basis. Well, when they proposed this and uh, we started seeing how it was actually working in uh, the minor leagues and they, they'd studied, I mean, they, they played over 4,000 minor league games with it. So they kind of worked out all the bugs by the time it got to uh, spring training this year. When I first heard about it, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for it. We saw a graphic earlier this year and it said, uh, started with the decade of the 50s. And uh, they showed the 50s and then, you know, then they showed the 60s. It was a little bit higher Then they showed the 70s. And when it got to the 2000s, it just spiked way up. And it got to where it was last year. The average game was three hours and six minutes. The average. That was the average. We were seeing four-hour, nine-inning games. The average now is two hours and 36 minutes. It's faster than the 50s. It's the fastest decade, well, certainly in my lifetime. So I'm thrilled with it. Now, what had happened was – Every hitting coach and every pitching coach was telling the pitcher or the hitter to control the tempo and the rhythm of the bat. So you had guys up there waiting literally 20 seconds between getting in the box. I don't know how many times you can rewrap Velcro or sit there and scratch your balls before you get in the batter's box, but they were doing it, and it was it was terrible. There was dead time. And you see Kenley Jansen taking 30 seconds between pitches. Are you kidding me? It was killing the game. You look back at the at the stands behind the uh, home plate, and you're looking at the top of people's heads because they they couldn't stand to watch the game because it was boring the hell out of them. So I, I just thought that that the pitch clock really did save our game, and I'm thrilled with it. and And I don't ever want it to go away. Now there are some drawbacks, like you said, you know, especially with the men on base, where you have 20 seconds. If a guy calls time, now he gets back in that box, you can hold him for 15 seconds, and guys are doing it. And the other thing too is from a pitcher's perspective. You know, there were times when I threw a slider and I'd get a zinger that go through my elbow and go up through one ear, out the other and up through my asshole. I mean, it was just a, it was a bad, bad deal. And I'd have to step off the mound for 30 seconds to kind of regroup before I could throw another pitch. And uh, now, now you can't do that. Now, now, if you, you know, you've got 15 seconds, if there's nobody on base. There are some things that are working out and guys are definitely taking advantage of it. But I think overall it's a hit. I agree. I, I mean, and I'm, I was a cynic. I, I have to admit at the beginning, I didn't want any part of it. As I watched it, I kind of like it. And now being on this side of the mic, it's, it's great because if I've got to watch a game or, or watch a couple games, it's over in two hours and 20 minutes. I think it's, it's swifter. I think as a result, uh, the hitter is so aware that he's got to be ready. The pitcher's so aware. I think organically you're getting more contact. Uh, now, I don't know how you feel as a pitcher as far as the stolen bases, but I, I think the 
the reason, part of the reason they did it, they wanted to bring back, they wanted to incentivize you for stealing bases. Now you have that incentive sitting right there. I think it's easier to steal bases, especially for elite real base stealers. They're going to take advantage of that two times you can disengage, but I'm with you. I, I overall, I really like it. And I think the fans really like it, which at the end of the day, they're the reason they're the, they're the butts in the seats and they're the most important part. Oh, so true. Fans are loving it. They're back in, you know, people aren't watching their phones. They're engaged in the game. Um, I, I do like the fact that the running game has come back. I, when they, when they started talking about, you only get two disengagements, two throwovers. I thought, well, uh, how's that going to work? Um, but the other law or rule that said that, you know, you can still throw over, you just have to get it out. I thought, well, okay, that makes sense. And you know, we can do that. Um, I just don't see a downside to any of it. I, I just think it's, it's keeping players off the field. I just think that, that, that most of these rules, the bottom line on all of them, other than, than making our fans more interested and, and enjoying the, the, the experience of the game more, is to protect the health of the players. And I just think that, uh, you know, four-hour games, that's not good for a defense. That's not good for the legs of a defense in a 162-game schedule. And, Booney, you're an everyday player, man. You, you know what that's like when somebody's having trouble or you have a long game. I love what they've done to uh, shorten uh, extra innings, and, uh, and, and, and I feel the same way about that that I do with the pitch clock. I, I just think we need to protect our players, and this is another rule that does that. Um, another thing, modern day, and I watch, I watch Aaron all the time. And it, and it cracks me up. I think Aaron Boone is, is setting records for getting thrown out of the game the most, <laughs> you know, and I'll call him cause we, Crook, you know, both of us, we're, we're kind of oil and water personality wise, but, uh, we're, we're kind of like-minded. We get along very well. We love to debate one another. Uh, but I laugh. Because I tell Aaron, I said, you know, I have the ability to go right up to that point where you get in trouble and pull the plug. Aaron seems to go right through that stoplight now. He's getting thrown out all over the place. That's the way he is. Aaron, he's a passionate guy. He's always been passionate. He loves his players to death, and he will back them. Uh, but I'm just watching this strike zone. We had Tim Cheetah on the other day, the, the uh, long-tenured umpire. And I was talking about the umpires today and the pressures they have. Uh, back when we were in the game, um, it was different. It was the, it was the old school. It was the, it was the boys club when it came to umpiring different ball game than it is now. They weren't as scrutinized. They didn't have the data, the technology. And I even fall, fall, uh, fall into the trap of watching that little white box on TV when I'm, I'll yell at the umpire on TV and I'm thinking, wait a minute. This little stupid white box that enabled all of us to be to be the best umpire in the world from our couch really isn't an accurate measure. But also in the dugouts when when I was playing, I didn't have a TV remote. I couldn't see every single pitch. So you see it, the, the managers chirping a lot more often than in past. Do you see this being a problem? What do you think about the umpires now? Tim Cheetah said, and Verbe, he, he, I think he he uh, was in the big leagues for 20, 25 years, and he told me, he said, Booney, you know what? I watched these umpires today. They're as efficient as they've, as they've ever been in the history of the game. And, and that was him. He's retired now, saying the guys today are the best. Fundamentally, the data proves it out in, in how they train. I don't know. What are your thoughts? 
Well, I, I agree. I, I think umpiring today is, is fantastic, and uh, it's never been more difficult because of all the added responsibilities. Um, I am so fearful that they're going to implement this automatic strike zone, this uh, this robotic strike zone, and to take away the umpire element because I, I just think that that's one of the big things about our game that is so interesting. Um, and, I, and I do believe that as, an, as a veteran, you know, you can you can work an umpire. You can create an advantage or a disadvantage. You know, you have to be able to identify if a strike zone is big or if it's small on that given night, and you don't have to deal with it. I mean, it's an intangible that I, I think favors um, a student of the game. Um, you know, I, I think that with managers arguing for their players, I, I think it's sort of mandatory. And I mean, I asked Ed Montague one time about, you know, how did you, how did you establish your strike zone? He said, well, I would just keep calling it higher until somebody yelled. And then I'd keep calling it lower until somebody yelled. And then that was my strike zone that night. And I, I just, I like that. I, I think that's the kind of way it should be. And by the way, I could play for your brother in a heartbeat. I like the fact that he fights for his team. I mean, managers like that to me are the best managers. But I, I, I think that the, the umpires today are indeed the best they've ever been. I think that the report card that they get at the end of uh, every game in, the, in regards to their calling balls and strikes has really made them more efficient. Um, one thing that I don't like about it is that, you know, there are some common sense things that, you know, are not included in the new rules of, of uh, umpiring. Uh, for example, I mean, you know, we see – like Albert Pujols. I mean, if you've got a pitch clock and he's going to hit 700 home runs and he's getting in that batter's box in every ballpark and they're giving him a standing ovation, you can't put the pitch clock on him. That guy deserves the right to stand there and get his minute of praise and recognition. So I think overall, I mean, you know, they're starting to tweak the rules so that common sense kind of comes back into it. It's not so rigid with the, with the rules that, uh, that, that, that they be enforced. But overall, I just think the umpires are a huge part of a game, a, a positive part of our game, and I hope they never change. And I do agree with, with uh, Cheetah. I, I do think this is the best we've ever seen. The umpiring now, I think, is fantastic. I think that is a great point you made that's not brought up enough, the common sense factor. You're right, because when I first came in the game, all I expected was – with each umpire and and we all know there's always the best there's the best guys out there there's the there's the guys that are okay and there's the guys that you know are either hitters or pitchers umps that whether we're a hitter or a pitcher we don't want them behind the plate uh but all i ask is establish your strike zone early stick with it that's all we can ask you're a human being back there i can't expect you to be a robot uh but i think the common sense thing the guys back then did have common sense you know, you, you talk to an Eddie Montague, it, it wasn't that you mentioned rigid and just cut and dry. It was no, let's let's be let's be rational about this thing. I think you're right on that. And and I don't think that's the first time I've heard it. And I think it's a great point. The guys today, the common sense is lacking a little bit, even if the the data points, they're hitting everything they're supposed to when they get their report card. Well, I mean, it's true. I mean, you get into a 10 nothing ball game, and back in the day when we had it, look, we had one, we had, there were two sets of umpires, American League, National League, and we knew everybody. And and all the umpires knew you. I mean, you knew their families. They knew your families. Uh, it was a different relationship you had with them. But if it was a 10 nothing ball game, that ball, that strike zone got big. I mean, I, I know umpires that would tell you, you better swing because I won't be calling any balls 
they wanted to get off the field. I mean, everybody did. And, and, and you know, now because there's such fear of the report card uh, that guys don't, they don't apply that. They don't kind of give in to the, to the obvious. That is the blowout game. So, you know, I, I, I think that uh, it's, it's, any, I, we could talk about the umpires forever, man, because I'm pretty passionate about it. I, I love my relationship with them. Um, you worked at it. If you said something stupid, you went in the next day, you apologized for it, you moved on. And, uh, and I, I just don't want to take that, that human element out of our game. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.